Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by 90min. I'm Scott Saunders, joined once again by football journalist and the United season ticket holder, Rob Blanchett. Remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts and follow us on Twitter too. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob, underscore B and at Promised Land MU. Rob, it's the international break. Nothing from Manchester United uh, after the defeat to Manchester City, which does seem like a long, long time ago now. We spoke last week about potential manager movements, changes at United. Have you had a nice break from it all? Because nothing has happened. Everyone's gone on holiday. It's strange. Nothing has happened, yet everything is kind of happening. So um, there's plenty from behind the scenes about what United are trying to do and how they're going to try and restructure stuff. There's a big awareness from United that things are not working. So take it out what you will. And I really do think that there shouldn't be a surprise that United haven't pulled the trigger just yet because everyone was like, the international break's a perfect time. You know, let's let's sack the manager, bring a new manager in. The timeline just doesn't work like that in this business. There's other factors at play here. And United, this, this next move, they have to make sure that it's both a populist one that pleases the fans and shuts the fans up, but also gives them a better chance of winning a trophy this season. United have got a good squad, but this squad doesn't look like it's very good at the moment. It's now just about finding methods over the next few weeks and nothing moves fast at Manchester United. We have come to learn that over the last few years. Nothing does move fast at Manchester United. As Rob says, there's been some chat behind the scenes, but nothing official from the club at the moment. United are back in training Ollie is back at Carrington uh, after his, uh, his little break, as we referenced last week. On today's show, we will look ahead, I guess, to... Th- there's three games coming up. United have got Watford away, all away games. United have got Watford away, Villarreal away in the Champions League midweek next week, and then Chelsea away next weekend. And it's a difficult run of games, but this Watford game might be quite important for Ollie's future because... It does seem like, you know, 
a defeat to Liverpool by five and a defeat to Manchester City, you know, they're bad. But I tell you what, if you lose to Watford, you never know. You might end up losing your job, Ollie, because that is that is the real one. That That's the one that we're really going to focus on. That is the one that means it's not working. But we will see. We will look ahead to those games, perhaps Watford in a bit more depth. We'll look at the latest on the likes of Brendan Rodgers and Zinedine Zidane, who've been linked with the job. And I think Rob and I, I don't want to speak for you, Rob. I think I believe that maybe United are looking to keep Ollie as long as they can, perhaps until the end of the season, to open themselves up for the best option going into next season. Can they get that far with Ollie? It remains to be seen, but we'll we'll talk about the merits of keeping Ollie today because it does seem like the club want to do that. And we'll also look a little bit at the players and some potential transfer targets too. So, Rob, um, I'm just before we get into things, I just want to come to you from a fan perspective. How do you feel at the moment? Because we all know that United aren't playing well enough. We know that perhaps the manager has run his course. What do you... United haven't acted yet. How do you feel going into this next game? Uh, do you feel like... Is there any optimism there? Do you feel like United can turn things around? Or is this just a case of we're waiting to pull the trigger here? Well, zero optimism. Optimism. That's definitely the, the default position, I think, for all United fans today. But there are two ways of looking at this. And I don't know. I've worked in this industry over like a decade now. So I think my opinion as a fan, someone who goes to all the games, is a little bit skewed towards the business side. I, I, I always have to consider it. So I know that fans would love change today while we're doing this podcast. They'd love the announcement to come that United have sacked Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and that they're moving on and they've got a new coach and that's a new direction. Fans crave that. So I get that and I understand that. And I think it is... It's warranted, but the business side of it dictates something completely different. And like you just said there, it's a, it's a case of, I think with the Glazers, there's some damage limitation here because they've just given this guy a contract. And I think the playbook will be exactly the same as Jose Mourinho. And that is that they'll give him enough rope to hang himself proverbially. You know, that's how they'll do it. They don't want to be the guys that, that have the responsibility. They don't want to say this is our fault. They're not going to talk about whether they should have signed Ronaldo or not. They're not going to do any of that stuff. It will just be a results are now horrendous. And thanks, Ole. Great job. Pat on the back. Always welcome. Legend 20, blah, 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 blah. And it will be finished. And, and, and it's kind of slow death, isn't it? And I think that this is kind of where the football clubs see it. But United fans are obviously rabid at the moment. They just want change. They're desperate for it. You see on social media that it's gone to even new levels of craziness and toxicity. And, and it is what it is. It's a kind of new world order for football, isn't it? How, how people express themselves in, in the game. But I'm okay. Like I, I look at it and I think Watford's coming up. I'm always a kind of moderate wait and see. Now, I don't think that Ole should have the job long term. I think he's done more than enough to be sacked. I really do now. I think we've got to that stage. That is a professional opinion of a football journalist. But I also do see why the Glazers are not just going to cut his throat immediately. It's just not the way these clubs tend to do it. You might see a Tottenham Hotspur where they, they sack Nuno and Conte's in place within like two days and everyone thinks that's just happened. But that itself, itself is a month-long process. 
until you get to the end. And United just don't really move like that. Very conservative board. They like to wait and see. They don't like to say a lot. They don't like to communicate. And then it happens and they kind of go, oh, look, this was our plan all along. So there are options. United are definitely knocking on people's doors. Uh, And I think, again, when a board does that, it really is the end for a manager. You know, once the board start to look at candidates and talk to representation just under the behind the scenes, nothing's ever official, by the way. You know, I see this all the time with fans. Is it official? What do you mean? And nothing's official until it's on a website or on a shirt or on a or, or, or announced through a public forum. It's uh, don't worry about that kind of stuff. There is stuff going on behind the scenes, certainly. I will be on. Uh... Obviously, this is a part of the Nightmare Podcast Network. I'll be on our uh, fans preview show on Thursday. Uh, if you are listening to this after that, you should be able to go and catch it. And Rob, you do all of your many projects as well. Uh, talking about this quite frequently. But uh, from my perspective, I mean, you mentioned some fans are rabid. <laughs> uh, I've kind of kind of gone the other way. And in the sense of, I'm looking at it now and I'm thinking, no, I think Ollie is done but I'm kind of distant from it in a sense because I, I know that the club aren't ready to act yet or they maybe have been put in plans in place to act at another point. But at the moment, it's really hard to be optimistic about any kind of game that you're going into. But I do think that a win over Watford at the weekend, similar to the Tottenham game, can kind of maybe lay things to rest a little bit and give Ollie a little bit more time to get things right again it'd be difficult with the likes of Villarreal, Chelsea and Arsenal coming up after those games. But I think the club's ideal scenario has always been, well, A, to keep Ollie there as long as they possibly can, because obviously he's been a fan favourite. He's played for the club in the past and he has, up until this season, been showing good signs of progress. And now we're kind of in reverse here. But I think they will give Ollie as many chances as possible (laughs) to... uh, continue in his job and we will see where it takes us and we'll see how long he can go. He certainly can't sustain more of those heavy defeats to direct rivals, but I think if he can keep United in the running for top four, uh, and this is not the barometer that a lot of fans want to be want United to be judged on, but if he can keep United in the running for top four, then I think they will be happy enough and then maybe they'll analyze the end of the season. But I'm I'm with the fans who felt like now could have been the right time to change. But obviously, you mentioned it doesn't always work like that. So we will have to move on. Now, in the sense of other managers coming in to replace Ollie, I don't think United ever really had a plan to replace him. And we've referenced that in the past as well. It's, <laughs> they've always been kind of so sure and so certain behind Ollie uh, that things will work out. And that's why they gave him a contract in the summer. But the pressure is on. And I do think, perhaps maybe, Rob, we can talk about <laughs> Brendan Rodgers, Zinedine Zidane, other managerial targets again. Uh, because I do believe now, from what I've heard, that while there was no plan in place to move towards if they did end up sacking Oli, and that's why they didn't make a move so early after you know the Liverpool and the City games, now I do think that there are contingency plans in place. So what, what's your understanding at the moment on potential other candidates? Well, succession planning in football is always difficult because in normal business, you can sit there, draw up plans, look at targets or whatever, and find a way over a, a more 
let's say, methodical amount of time. In football, things tend to be knee-jerk, don't they? They're kind of reactive to results. So if you're playing well, no one ever gets sacked. If you're not playing well, if you're losing games, you get the bullet. It's finished. So I think with United is that they've always had a kind of candidate base of people that they like. So in this scenario, it's Brendan Rodgers. It's someone they've always liked. They like the way he manages in terms of he's quite a quiet, conservative guy. He'll get on on with his job. Um, He won't really have that kind of contact with the board in that way. He will will work with the representation at United and he'll do it that in a kind of more balanced manner. And then you've got the other candidates. So you could have had a Conte. Now, all the rubbish we hear about Conte being a combustible guy and stuff isn't really particularly true. That's just more a story around the kind of guy that he is. And he's not, again, he's a quite a methodical guy. He would have suited United. It's just that Tottenham read the room and thought, right, we need to get rid of our manager and we need to jump in a two footed quick before anyone else takes him. So credit to Spurs for that. But I think obviously the, the other main candidate is it, is it in Zidane? Um, there are issues. If you go after Sedan, uh, the sense that, he does have desires for the France job, but of course that's not a reality at the moment. And then you have to decide how long you give him if you bring him to the club. Now you've just seen Conte's just signed an 18 month contract at Tottenham, very short deal, but these deals I think are going to become more apparent in these COVID times where clubs can sever them a lot more easily, but also managers can walk away. Managers can, can have a severance deal and, and maybe go to their preferred job. Do United want to give the job to Zidane, knowing that he might go to the France job in X amount of months and years? I think that's a huge question for them, but they do want to explore it. So at the moment, the candidate list is Rogers and Zidane. Um, there's other names, of course, like my favourite is Ranić, and I think that he's a guy that, that would fix United tactically. But the Glazers are not sat in their palace in Florida saying, hmm, who do, who do we get to tactically make our team work? They're talking about all other stuff at the moment, like their shirt deal for next year. That's really important to them. How do they find a new sponsor? That's going to be a billion pound deal, maybe for Manchester United. These are the things that are much more interesting to them than what happens at Watford. Do you feel there's any one particular manager out of the two that I think we're probably nailed down to Rodgers and Zidane and perhaps the likes of your Ten Hags and your Pochettinos are, if they do manage to get to the end of the season, options. Uh, I think you might have mentioned it just now. You don't really feel like an interim would be the best choice. So what would, if you had to pick one, (laughs) I'm putting you on the spot here. If you had to pick one of the two, who would you, who do you think is the best fit for United at the moment? Brendan Rodgers, 100%. So, I, you know, I've, I've kind of given a list in my, you know, my work and my other projects that I do. I've kind of said that there is a kind of sliding scale here of what United need and what the Glazers want. So there's two kind of two sides of it. So, as I said, I talk about tactics a lot. My, my shows are, are based on football tactics, what Manchester United do on a pitch. And I want to see United fix the tactical issues that have been not just here in the last 15 games of this season, but have been there maybe for 12 months and beyond, you know, looking at the playing squad. So for me, number one would have been Ranić. I think he's the kind of guy that could have come in and also had a big influence on reshaping the club around that, around the tactical philosophy of pressing and trying to find a way of, of competing with City and Liverpool, the good things that those two clubs do. But I think it's Rodgers. Like, I think Rodgers is the guy that they would really like and 
we're now aware that there is a, a clause in his Leicester contract that allows him to go to a Champions League club. So United will be able to uh, initiate that break clause if, of course, Rodgers wanted to do that. And that could happen quite quickly. So, you know, I've said to United fans, you know, don't blink because these things can just suddenly, the next morning you wake up and it's happened because this is a negotiating process. And United have knocked on Leicester's door. So it's a case of wait and see. And Leicester themselves don't do things quickly. We saw Harry Maguire, took them a year to sell the player. They don't really feel the need. They've got quite rich owners. They don't have to get involved with stuff. But the break clause is there, and that gives Rodgers the chance to move. But with Zidane, you know, there's a Galactico theory. There's no doubt that Ed Woodward, who's supposed to be leaving the club, but now might be staying at the club, Ed Woodward has a Galactico dream, and he's talked about it openly before. He wants this kind of Real Madrid, you know, Disneyland, Wonderland view of Manchester United. Who fits that better than Zinedine Zidane, one of the greatest names of all time? You know, Zidane cuddling Ronaldo, cuddling Varane, cuddling Pogba. It's, you can see it already. That's kind of what the Glazers will go, hmm, I like that. That fits our big media model of what we see Manchester United. So that's why I think it's, it's kind of all to play for, because I think it's, it's to see what United really want to do, what the Glazers see the next step in their project being. I think they could get Rodgers for a good price then they'll probably move for Rogers because he's the, the salient choice, the conservative choice. But if they want to gamble for 18 months and they want to roll the dice and they say, right, we've got Ronaldo. We have to win Ronaldo. What do you want? Ronaldo's going to say he wants a Dan and he's going to get a contract as long as Ronaldo's. And you might see that for two years, United try this little bit of Galactoism, Galacticism, you know, trying to say, right, can we win immediately with this superstar and with the superstar coach? Personally, my opinion, the answer is no. I've seen enough. You know, I don't think Ronaldo is going to run anymore in the Premier League. I don't think he's going to press. I don't think, I think he'll score tons of goals. I don't think it's his fault that United are where they are. I'm not blaming him, but he's certainly part of the problem. And you need a coach who's going to come in and solve problems, not potentially create more of them. Speaking of problems, Cristiano Ronaldo was part of the Portugal team that failed to uh, automatically qualify for uh, the World Cup in Qatar next year. This time next year, that would be really weird. But uh, we move on anyway. And he was was not the only person involved in that. Obviously, Bruno Fernandes was uh, uh, part of the Portugal squad too. And we will get to the players in a minute, but I just wanted to give a shout out to Harry Maguire for uh, his scoring antics for England uh, and his relevant celebrations over the course of the international break. We'll talk about the players in a minute, but we've spoken about the other managers and those alternative options, but I think enough time has passed now for fans to understand that United will not make a decision before the Watford game and they will stick with Oli. Oli is back in training with the players. So in a different direction, we're going to take a different direction and look at what are the merits of keeping Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Are there any? Because United have made a decision to stick by him. He's obviously done a lot of good work in the past with, you know, he's brought Luke Shaw back to a high level of performance. If you discount this season, because he's not been very good. Uh, Mason Green was developed under him. I think Marcus Rashford's probably kicked on uh, under him as well. There's a number of players. Anthony Martial has done well at times under Ollie, but it isn't really anywhere to be seen at the moment. Uh, but it's not really happening at the moment. Can, can, is there any way Ollie can turn this around? Because it does seem like 
the connection with the players has has it gone or is it damaged? Can Ollie turn it around? Can he start getting the best out of the players that he's got? Because we'll talk about the players in a minute, but Ollie has a duty in a sense to get the best out of them and it's not really happening. But is this a chance for a new leaf and a new direction? Interestingly, you know, there is an anarchy behind the scenes at, at Carrington. And I think this is where maybe the mood of the fans doesn't always match the mood of the club. So the players themselves are obviously not happy. I think Victor Lindelof was interviewed literally last night and he kind of said, we're not happy. You know, no one at the club is happy. No one's kind of turning up, you know, for training, thinking everything is great. But I think what they do understand is that there is still a respect there for Solskjaer and the way that he's managed this set of players for two years. So there's a respect from the board because they went through the whole Mourinho period where Jose tried to burn the club down and he did. He tried to do that and he got his money and he got what he needed and he moved on because that's what Jose does. But let's not talk about Mourinho. Let's talk about Solskjaer. I think Solskjaer is a bit more of a statesman. He kind of understands that there is, you know, he he doesn't need to make things public. He needs to get in-house and find methods to get these players playing better. So I think there is merit of just keeping him for now until you decide what you're going to do. As someone described Ola the other day, he's been the longest running interim manager of all time. You know, three years now he's been interim manager because the truth is United are still just waiting for that big coach to come along that can take them to the next level I think there is some truth in that but I think on the other the flip side of it is that the board do not want to do anything aggressive behind the scenes that that they could then be called out for both from players or or from the manager himself now obviously if you leave the football club you sign an NDA you take your money you never talk about it that's the way it goes so that was what Ole would do be off back to Norway Norway take his five ten million pound and everyone's happy United need to kind of negotiate that strategy. But I do think that there is there is merit of saying, right, you know, you've got a run of games coming up. You've got a Champions League game coming up, which is vital. You know, that Villarreal game is still important. And you've also got a chance against a Chelsea team where, you know, these three away matches, you could sit back a bit, play 3-5-2, play counter-attack. And we know that Manchester United are pretty good at playing counter-attack if they want to. We've not really seen it this year, even when they've played three at the back. But Ole could do that. You know, it gives him an opportunity to get the guys back in and coach that into them and say, right, these three games, we're going to have a run of the same tactics. Unfortunately, Scott, I think what he'll do is he will go back to 4-2-3-1 because I think he's desperate to maybe find his way to kind of exert that. But he also understands that he can't lose matches. Like if he loses against Watford, it, it, it's the end of the world. You know, Manchester United fans will not tolerate it. You know, there'll be people burning shirts around the world and filming it and putting it on their Instagrams. Can, you I, know, just this ask, is quite, can I just ask if you think it is the end of Ollie if he does lose at Watford? I do think it's the end. And I think then United will say, well, you know, we did give him a little bit of time. Didn't we? Didn't, we didn't do an international break because we're not, we're not devils. You know, we, we, we're not like that. We're business people and blah, blah, blah. But if you lose to Watford, you know, Ranieri does a job on you and he could do a job on us. No doubt. Then you, I think it's over. And then United would act quite quickly to kind of say, well, look, you know, we did wait, but I kind of think again, it's a three game principle. I don't think he's been told he's got three games. But United don't want to do anything to affect the Champions League campaign. And they don't also want to be seen as the reason, I'm talking about the board here, that the, the season itself has collapsed. And so no one is talking about signing Ronaldo on the playing staff and that it's affected United. No one behind the scenes wants to talk about that. Fans don't want to talk about that. All they want to talk about is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. 
So these things are all married together, Scott. And I, and I think that it's a, it's a story that will play itself out. And as I said, these things can happen very quickly with Mourinho. It went like that. You know, we'd heard literally one minute that they were going to support him and stick with him. And the next day they'd sacked him and it was done. Thanks, Jose. Pat on the back. You know, thanks for your work. Oh, and look, now we've got an interim. It was all done very quickly. And it wasn't because it was done in a swift manner. It's just that it took a little bit of time for them to negotiate uh, Mourinho getting out of the football club and find out what they were going to do for the next few months. I think they're in the same scenario now. You mentioned there, Rob, about you think that Oli will go back to 4 one I think there's a good chance of that happening too. Uh, maybe it does depend on Rafa Varane. I've seen him on a on a on a bike yesterday, uh, looking relatively happy on his Instagram. I don't know for sure how far away he is from return, but you know, I think it'd be important to get back in whenever that is the case. But what do you make of? <laughs> I think this came out last week, but uh, there were suggestions that Jaden Sancho had been placed into some kind of training into like looking at can we make him a wing back now sorry i, I couldn't really get my words out there because i can't really <laughs> can't really digest how uh how that is or uh, is it ridiculous P- potentially but you know you, there are certain shortcomings with aaron wan bissaka in that position Jaden sancho could offer more going forward against like a you know your teams that sit in and that kind of stuff and it's another way to get an attacker in there do you think that's did you have you heard anything in regards to that? Do you think that's uh, a potential thing that's going to happen, or do you feel like the four two three one is the way to go, or what Ollie will do? Do you um, do you think that Ollie could get creative in any in any sense? Do you think that more of these types of suggestions could happen? Like, can we see Sancho at wing back? Can we see another player in another position? Will we see a miracle? and Donny van der Beek comes into central midfield. <laughs> Will these kind of things happen with Oli now as he's in last chance to loom? First and foremost, Jadon Sancho isn't a wing-back, so he can't play a wing-back system. But if you played 3-5-2 and you played with a midfield spread across in the same way that, that lots of Bundesliga clubs do play, you could play Jadon Sancho in the widest position of that midfield five but it's more about the shape of your team. So if he was in that five, he would be expected to go and attack. He wouldn't be the guy covering at fullback like Wan-Bissaka does. So it'd be a different style of wing play. That's kind of the difference between a winger and a wing back. So he would be expected to be a winger in that system. He'd be expected to go and join and it would be more free for free. Uh, No, I don't think that Jaden Sancho, I don't think Ole's going to get that creative. And, And I think there is still a hesitation to put any kind of, weight of responsibility on Donny van der Beek. And I know this annoys United fans, but I'll keep saying it is that if the manager felt it, he would get value out of any player, like it'd help his team win more. He would do it. No manager sits in his office and goes, Nope, these 10 players are just discounting them because X, Y, and Z. It's a, it's a tactical decision. This is what, you know, this is what they do. There's eight coaches at United that have this input. And there's obviously something wrong with Donny van der Beek behind the scenes. So I would like to see Donny get a chance so we could then at least assess him in a, in football fan journalistic terms, say we've seen what we've seen, but what I saw last year wasn't great. You know, last year, there was nothing that made me think this is the guy who's going to come in. Now, look, Paul Pogba is out for the rest of the year. Yeah. Until 
until Christmas or into the new year. In that period, he might, well, sign a pre-contract agreement with a foreign team. That might happen. And then Paul Pogba's gone. So there is a logic of saying that this is Van der Beek's chance. But there's also a logic of saying that Man United, that if they know that Paul Pogba is not going to really turn up for the football club again, that Donny van der Beek is used as a make weight in January to leave the club and United go and find their midfield target. Uh, we're going to talk about one of those targets in a minute, but they have got options again. And it's all about how much you want something and how badly you need it. And I think Manchester United have probably got to that stage now where they realise that the midfield conundrum is part of the question from back to front. You know, we talk about pressing and all of these things, but they need to find a way to plug that midfield gap and have someone that can do the running, but also run the team from that part of the park. We will talk about that in a second, as you mentioned there. I just did want to reference a uh, a report that came out earlier this week regarding some unhappiness within the squad about the United fringe players. And I did want to talk about the players in general anyway. So I'm sure you've seen this now, Rob, but there were suggestions that the fringe players feel misled about their playing prospects this season. Uh, and the number of players are named, Vanderbilt, one of them, Jesse Lingard, Dean Henderson, Eric Bailly, Alex Tellez, Diogo Dallo, Juan Mata and Anthony Martial. That's a lot of players. Uh, United do have a big squad. And to be fair, there was a lot of arguments for those players because they haven't really had too much playing time. We've seen Eric Bailly recently and he he's had a mixed time of it. You know, he, he played well in one, I think it was the Atalanta game, wasn't it? But then he also played his part in conceding two goals, scored no goal against Liverpool. He's had his chances in the past. I love the guy, but you know, perhaps he's not right up to standard, but is it on, do you feel like Oli does stick too rigidly to the players that he knows? And like, you see your McFreds and that kind of stuff. Or do you feel there's any merit in these kind of players like Jesse Lingard's, Dean Henderson, perhaps, you know, David De Gea has been in good form on the whole. So maybe it's not the right time for him, but Anthony Martial, we haven't really seen, but he's not done it when he's played either. So do you feel like there's any merit in switching things around? And do you, how much of a fault do you think, or how much responsibility lies with the players who are in the team at the moment? Well, Ole certainly operates on trust with his selections. We know this 100%. So some fans say that it's favoritism. And I think that that's a kind of blinkered way of looking at it. He, he sees the guys that train. He gets all the progress reports in terms of fitness. And I think he shapes his selections around that. Now, the players that you just mentioned there, I think the issue is this, and it's, it's two-sided, is that United have been garbage this year. Absolutely garbage from back to front. The only player who's really kind of sold his value in the team is David De Gea. So David De Gea has risen to the challenge of uh, Dean Henderson. He came back from training early. He told Ole Gunnar Solskjaer that he was going to work like a dog. He did work like a dog and you can see it in his gameplay. You know, he's a very good goalkeeper again, not that he ever wasn't, but he's back to maybe the form that he would like to show. But when you look at the rest of them, if you're really there and your job is on the line as a manager and you've not given Donny van der Beek a chance for a year, and you put Jesse Lingard out on loan because he wasn't really part of your plans, and then you look at Anthony Martial, who is passive and had a bad season last year, it's really difficult to change it. So United fans will say, oh, we've got a good squad, but how really good is that squad when you're making lateral changes? You know, if you drop Ronaldo, right, so it starts with that, doesn't it? If you drop Ronaldo because you decide that you need to press more, what do you do? And I think that there is a, a keenness from Manchester United that the superstars play, 
like I talked about that kit deal earlier on in our show, they don't want Oleg and Solskjaer to rip the whole thing up and you know, suddenly Donny van der Beek playing well. They don't want that. They want to see their superstars there. This is how it works. It's a little bit like American sports. It's the same thing about superstars. Ronaldo is the guy that has to play. If I'm the manager of Manchester United at the moment, that's the change I would make. I would probably move Ronaldo out or put him on the bench more and find a way around that in my system. But of course, United fans are not going to accept that. Scott, there'll be people listening to this now spitting bullets at whatever their favorite podcasting system is of what I'm saying. But this is the football reality. So I think for Ole, he can't really change it too much. He has to stick with the big players and hope they come good. We've just seen with Portugal that Bruno Fernandes and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo could not make it happen. And what did United fans say? Oh, Portugal's management must be as bad as Ole then. Is, can we say that it's maybe it's the player's fault? You know, is there some player issues here? Uh, I think it's a bit of both. So um, I think we need to be open more to those things. And I don't think that Ole himself has got too many options. He just needs to play his main cards and hope that they work. Agree. Uh, we will see what happens there. Just before we go, you mentioned uh, we'd reference a potential midfield target. I don't know how you feel about this, Rob, but I'm in the I'm in the boat of failing to get excited about potential acquisitions because there's not enough that we, whoever's fault it is, whether it's the players or whether it's Ollie's fault, the current squad is better than it is or better than it is showing at the moment. Jules Kunde in, in defense has been linked over the last week or so um, given Harry Maguire's awful form, although Gareth Southgate has admitted that Maguire is half fit or not fully fit. And I think there's always suggestions around West Ham's Declan Rice as well, who's going to push probably for an exit from West Ham at the end of the season. Maybe if they make Champions League football, that would be a different tale and he could uh, extend it for another season. But I think Declan Rice is going to be one of the most wanted midfielders in the world without a World Cup or summer tournament next summer. So, but he'll have a lot of clubs after him. I think Man City are keen on him as well. But what do you make of those reports? I mean, Declan Rice is... It's always been bubbling under the surface, but I think you might be seeing something on 90 Min in the next few days around Declan Rice's future, so go and check that out. Um, and Jules Kunde has been linked from elsewhere as well. Do you think there's any merit in either of those players coming in? There is merit. And, you know, this is my 22nd transfer window coming up in my career as a journalist in football. Um, and I've seen it kind of all. And I have to, you say now about being excited. I'm not necessarily excited but I do think that Manchester United still need to make moves I really do I think that's something that if you're you're building this team that whether it's Ole in charge or Zidane or Brendan Rodgers you still need to keep this project bubbling along now Kunde is a is a name that's been linked with everyone obviously heavily linked with Chelsea last year and and he is a very good defender do I still think that that's uh, something that that pushes United on tomorrow I'm not so sure I, I think he's a kind of applicable target for several clubs in the Premier League. Declan Rice, I want to talk about him because I've kind of given Declan Rice a, a bad deal over the years. Now, I've, I kind of, I think I described him last year as a kind of blown up Scott McTominay, you know, and, and I think we've kind of talked along those, those lines before about, you know, what does a player do? What can a player give you? And even in the 4 one that England played in the Euros, I wasn't particularly hot on Rice. He did play well. But for me, it was just like he's doing a functional role and you need a functional player to do that. I've watched Declan Rice very closely this year because obviously we are linked with him and 
he's going to go to a big club one way or the, one way or the other, whether it be United or Chelsea, whoever. And he's just come on leaps and bounds. Like there's something in his game about how he runs the show. Breaking and news. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, su- I'm surprised to hear this, Rob. Keep going. <laughs> um, no, no. So, so I've watched it because obviously United fans are hot on him and United fans want to know about him. And we've got to give like educated opinions on it. We can't just give hot takes all the time. That's not really what it's about. We've got to try and apply some science. So I've watched his numbers. I've looked at his numbers, really dug deep on him and kind of watched all of his games back to front. And there's something about him now that smells very much more like Roy Keane than Scott McTominay. So I think that the Scott McTominay comparisons over a couple of years were were justified because that's the kind of role he was playing. You know, he's playing a kind of more faux defensive role, but bursting forward at times and doing that and challenging and being aggressive. Um, And West Ham were, were doing, playing that kind of game of football. Now he's playing something a little bit more expansive. He's looking more like a box to box and he's playing a box-to-box role at West Ham. And West Ham probably look as good now, even without Jesse Lingard, as they have done in 12 months. I really think that. And it comes from Declan Rice. So would I like Declan Rice at Man United now? Well, last transfer window, the answer was no, not at all. The answer now is 100% yes. I think that he's a kind of guy that if you get him doing what he's doing now and develop it, because he's still young, then you have someone in that midfield that you can work everything around. Someone that will do the work. You don't need to play a double pivot, and you can play a double pivot if you want, if you're Oleg and Solskjaer. But if you're um, Brendan Rodgers, you can play a 4-1-4-1. If you're um, Zidane Zidane, you can play 4-3-3 with him in there. These are, There are options, you see, and this is what I was always worried about when you go and buy a midfielder. So you've got to get a midfielder that can do the box-to-box function. And then... And then, Scott, you can look past Paul Pogba. You could say the Pogba project is over. He's still one of the greatest midfielders in the world, but we can't agree a deal. We can't get him to sign. So we're going to let him go, and we're going to bring in a different type of midfielder. And with the World Cup coming up, England players are going to be at a premium. And Declan Rice is, as you said, going to be one of the hottest targets in world football. That's music to my ears, Rob. I, I, <laughs> the last time we did speak about Declan Rice was, uh, I think it was around the summertime and I, I've, I've been hot on him for a while. I think he's really, really good. He offers a lot. Uh, and he has had a really good season with West Ham so far. There will be plenty more uh, transfer chat coming from the Promised Land podcast over the next few weeks and months because we are, what, six weeks or so away from the January transfer window opening. Uh not really anticipating massive business from anyone outside of Newcastle that I can think of off the top of my head, but maybe even Newcastle won't go too big. Don't think United will go and splash out big on any specific player, but maybe they'll address in certain areas, but we will see. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll break down the transfer stuff in more depth in later shows. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone. We have to wrap up just here. Um, but remember to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts and follow us on Twitter too. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU. United play Watford on Saturday and then we will see what happens with Ollie and the squad and everything with Manchester United's uh, awful season so far. Hopefully it can pick up a little bit and we'll see you soon.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.